Well, good morning. I'm going to go ahead and ask the Lord to bless our time together. And let's pray together and just ask, as he's already here, I hope you can sense his presence. And he was here long before we got here, but we're just going to ask him to speak to us today. Father, uh, we just thank you today on Father's Day uh, for all your many blessings. We thank you uh, for what you do for us and for how you, how you love us uh, despite of what we do sometimes and despite the fact that we're ungrateful. And today, Father, uh, as we've come here today to gather in freedom to worship you, Lord, we just ask that you would uh, penetrate our hearts and uh, that you would break down any barriers that might keep anyone from hearing the message the special message and the very personal message that you have for each and every one uh, gathered here today. Father, we love you. Speak to us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Well, a young boy had just gotten his driver's permit. We have, we have a few teenagers uh, who are working on that right now, trying to get their driver's permit. Um, well, this young boy, he asked his father, who was a minister, if they could discuss the use of the car. His father took him to a study and he said to him, I'll make a deal with you. You bring your grades up, study your Bible and, uh, a little bit, and get your hair cut, and we'll talk about it. So after about a month, the boy came back and asked his father if they could discuss again the use of the family car. They again went to the father's study where his father said, Son, I've been real proud of you. You've brought your grades up. You've studied your Bible diligently, but you didn't get your hair cut. The young man waited for a minute, and he replied, You know, Dad, I've been thinking about that a lot. You know, uh, Samson had long hair. Moses had long hair. Noah had long hair. And, and Dad, even Jesus had long hair. To which his father replied, Yes, you know, you're right, son. And they walked everywhere they went. <laughs> Another story about a boy after a church service, uh, this boy went to the pastor, uh, or he told the pastor, um, when I grow up, I'm going to give you money, pastor. Well, thank you, the, the pastor replied, but can I ask why? And the boy said, because my daddy says you're one of the poorest preachers we've ever had. <laughs> well, today is Father's Day, and uh, what, a, what a great day it is to celebrate our earthly fathers and, and, and talk about all that they mean to us and all that they've done to us. What a blessing from God that they are. And today is also a day where we're able to reflect and think about our heavenly father who blesses us every single day more than we could ever ask or imagine. And today I want to talk about uh, a story Jerry read through the entire chapter, which it was very helpful. And I wanted you to kind of understand the full context of that story. But today I want to talk in particular uh, about a certain father that Jesus spoke of in one of these parables. And today I want to talk to you about grace. And I want to talk to you about mercy. And I want to talk to you about forgiveness. You see, the truth is, talking about grace, mercy, and forgiveness we're not very good at accepting them, are we? We're not, we're not very good at just, you know, it's so freely given, but it's just our nature. We're, we're not very good at accepting these things. Maybe it's because it's not really in our human nature to offer them freely to other people. Maybe we just can't understand, you know, I, I wouldn't give that so freely to you. I can't even imagine you giving that to me. Maybe that's why we are so hesitant to accept grace, even from other people. 
In Luke chapter 15, is, which is where we're going to be referencing, if you want to turn to your Bibles, uh, as it happened a lot in Jesus's ministry, if you read through the New Testament, uh, he was in the middle of a large gathering of people. And, you know, everywhere Jesus went in this time during his ministry, large crowds would follow him, right? He was like a celebrity. You know, if there had been cameras back then, there'd be paparazzi, right? He'd be in all the, the uh, magazine articles in the, the checkout line at the, you know, the, the uh, grocery store, right? He'd be talking about him on the radio, and there'd be Facebook posts everywhere with Jesus in Capernaum, and Jesus doing this, and Jesus doing that. There'd be debate everywhere, because that's what happened in that context back then. And everywhere Jesus went, people, both believers, non-believers, people who thought he was a prophet and people who thought he was, you know, bad, they followed him. They wanted to hear what he had to say, and they wanted to see what he was going to do next. He was kind of like the talk of the town in whatever town that he was in. And in this particular point in Luke chapter 15, he was, he was in a large crowd of people, one of those large gatherings of people eager to hear what he had to say. Uh, and as was common among this crowd, there were a group of Pharisees and Sadducees, and as it says in Scripture, teachers of the law, okay? These were the Christians, the ones who had been kind of set apart uh, to be the ones who kind of like were the defenders of the faith, the defenders of the law. They knew it backwards and forwards, and uh, they knew the Scriptures, and, and they didn't like Jesus. They, they thought he was thought he was something different than they weren't expecting him to come the way that he did. And so they, they had questions about Jesus. They were constantly trying to trip him up, make him say something so that they could punish him and get the crowd to turn against him. They were always looking for a way to trip him up and catch him doing or saying something that he wasn't supposed to. And in Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 2, it says, uh, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. I, I love the way that, sorry, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. What an incredible, unified, or you know, just diverse, I should say, crowd of people that were gathered to hear Jesus. Uh, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, all right? Um, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. You know, they probably said things like, look who he's eating with. Look who he's talking to. I can't believe he would spend time with them. Um, now, you possibly, can't possibly imagine any scenario in our modern culture, in our modern day, where Christians might look at a certain crowd of people, right, and say, uh, I can't believe you are, how can you associate yourself with those people that, that certainly wouldn't happen today, right? Okay, I hear you. I hear a little mutterings of, of my own out here. You see, when we read through this passage, it, it becomes so clear to me, and, and even in light of everything happening in our world today, we can clearly see that the Pharisees are missing the point of the gospel. Would you agree? We, we read through this and we see, you know what? These guys really kind of had it wrong. You can tell by reading this. It seems so black and white when we read it in Scripture that this is not the way you're supposed to be acting. Yet... You know, we still do that today, and, and we read through the passage, we can clearly see that the Pharisees are missing the point of the gospel, and they're missing the whole reason why Jesus came to earth in the first place. And yet, these same mutterings of the Pharisees and of the teachers of the law and of these really educated Christians can still be heard today. These same mutterings can still be heard. These Pharisees didn't think Jesus, Jesus should be associating with known sinners. These Pharisees didn't understand that they too were in fact sinners in need of a Savior. 
And I've been thinking a lot about the word neighbor this week. You know, I've been, this whole, this whole week, I've been trying to find, you know, the perfect passage to, to preach on and, and really go into the Lord. And I've kind of been going back and forth. And this morning I got into the car and I was riding and I like to listen to like talk radio. Sometimes, I don't know, it just relaxes me. Sometimes it puts me to sleep. Sometimes it makes me angry. But in the mornings on Sunday morning, they usually have some, some Christian um, preaching. And, I, and, and as soon as I turned it on, they, they were referencing uh, Luke chapter 15. So I was like, okay, wait, I've, maybe, I, maybe, maybe you are speaking to me about this passage, Lord. And then even in, our, in the Sunday school class this morning, I, the, when I was able to peek in there and sit down, you guys were kind of talking about exactly uh, what, I had been, what had been going around in my heart. And so I, I, I see that as a confirmation from the Lord that this is what he's trying to say to us this morning. And so I've been thinking a lot and talking a lot at various events events um, this week about the word neighbor. Who is our neighbor? Um, and the question uh, that was asked Jesus at another time, if you go back in scripture, uh, Jesus told the Pharisees to uh, love their neighbor as themselves. You know, they're asking, you know, what's the greatest commandment? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourselves. And then again, the Pharisees trying to trip him up again. Well, who is your neighbor? And then Jesus goes into the, the story of the Good Samaritan. And basically, when we go through that story, when we understand fully what Jesus is trying to say to us about who our neighbor is, everyone is our neighbor. You see, our neighbor is not not our physical neighbor. It's not the person who lives to your right or the person who lives to your left. It's, you know, it's not the person who believes like you believe or the person who thinks or dresses or, or watches the same TV shows that, that you watch. It's not the person that you worship with. That's, that's not your neighbor. You know, your, your neighbor is everybody. Everybody is your neighbor. That's what Jesus was trying to say. It doesn't matter who you are, where you came from, what, you know, what background you had, what, what cultural differences there are. Everybody is your neighbor. Amen. God so loved the world, God created the world, and God so created the world that whoever, all right, that whoever, everybody is our neighbor. And if we want to have a heart like Jesus, and I hope uh, today that, that you would say that you want to have a heart after Jesus, we need to have a heart for our neighbors. These Pharisees and, and these teachers, they understood the law. They understood the scriptures. They had it memorized word for word. Last week, uh, Cadet Aaron, he, he talked about how the, the young uh, Jewish boys would, would you know, kind of attach themselves to one of these rabbis. And he, you know, I don't have the, the headdress to put on for you this morning like he did. But you know, they, they knew from a very early age, they knew everything about the scriptures and about what the word said. And, and they, they had spent their whole life getting the word of God. God into their heads, but somehow it never got into their heart. And that's why the Psalms the psalmist says, I have hidden my words in your heart. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And friends, we always have to remember that we all need Jesus. We're all part of that lost. At some point or another, we've all been lost, and sometimes we get lost, right? Sometimes we're, we're on the right path, and we take a trail, we get off the wrong exit, and before you know it, we're lost again, and we need to come back, and we need to, we need to get back on track, and we need to be found, and we need more mercy, we need more grace, and we need more forgiveness. You know, I have a GPS, and I still get lost, and my wife thinks I, I can hardly go anywhere without her help, so. Amen. I mean, yep, I was waiting for it. 
You see, he died, Jesus died to give us mercy and grace and forgiveness and freedom. And this morning, I wanna read for you again this short passage of scripture, and then I want to focus on just one line. I don't have three points this morning, and let the church say amen, but what I do have is just one line that I wanna focus on. And I wanna read for you this morning from Luke chapter 15, 11 through 32, if you wanna flip over there with me and I'll read together the parable of the lost son. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. He set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. So they began to celebrate. Amen. Now, there's so many parts of, of this passage that that you can preach on. There's literally dozens of, of, of pat, you know, like individual things that you can take out and preach on. And I've probably preached on them many times. You know, you think about him going, selling himself to to feed pigs and you think about how unclean pigs were to his culture. So that was kind of like the lowest of the low jobs for him to do as a, as a, a Jewish boy. And you, and you think about, you know, going out and how he squandered his money. And, you know, he probably went out and party with all these people and, you know, pe- he picked up the tab everywhere he went, right? But then when he was needing help, he needed just a little bit of a help or a hand up. It says nobody was there to help him, right? And you could talk about the fact that, you know, him by taking his dad's inheritance and asking for it while his dad was still alive was basically saying, I wish you were dead. We can talk about all those individual things and you can pull all those things out of this passage, but that's not what I want to focus on this morning. This morning, I just want to focus on one line, but while he was still a long way off, but while he was still a long way off. This, this one makes me emotional when I, when I read that. It, it might be my favorite line in all of Scripture, and it's, and it's just half of a line even. It's not even a whole line, but while he was a long way off. You see, I think the Pharisees missed the point on that particular day when Jesus was telling the story in Luke chapter 15. You see, they thought they were somehow better than the tax collectors and the sinners, 
They thought they belonged to some special club, and, and they, were, they were teachers. They were dignified. They were educated. They knew the scriptures. They were following the scriptures from birth, and they thought they were more important to Jesus. And Jesus would have been, should have been devoting all of his time with them and certainly not associating with known sinners and tax collectors. They thought that Jesus shouldn't have been with them at all. When the truth is, they were in need of Jesus as much as anyone else with, uh, was. And, and Jesus should have been with them, with the tax collectors, more than he should have been with everybody else. Jesus came to seek and save the lost, right? He didn't come to seek and save the found. Friends, this morning, I can't stress enough, I can't say it enough, we all need a Savior. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God doesn't matter where you are in your Christian walk or where you are in your Christian faith. You need a Savior. You need Jesus' grace and mercy and forgiveness on a daily basis, right? You, you, you need Jesus. We all have sinned. We all need Jesus. We're all in the same boat. You see, the prodigal son in this story, he was a total mess, wasn't he? He, he, just, he made a mess of himself and a mess of things. He basically, like we mentioned before, told his dad by requesting his inheritance early while he was still alive that he just wished that his father was basically dead. Now imagine for a minute, think about transition, you know, to think about what the father must have felt. You know, we have fathers in here. Raise your hand if you're a father. Can you imagine if one of your kids said that? Like, hey, dad, how much money am I going to get when you die? You know, can I go ahead and have that now? You know, <laughs> imagine, imagine the hurt Imagine the hurt he must have felt. Imagine, you know, these were tight-knit communities. I know you think Lubbock is a small community, but a lot of these villages and places that they lived were, were tight communities. Right? They, everybody knew everybody. You knew what was going on. You knew what, you knew what everybody had for breakfast. You know, you, every, there was no secrets in this town. And so imagine the hurt and the embarrassment and the shame even that this father must have been feeling. The son was out living it up. He was doing things he knew he shouldn't do. He was, he was raised just like every other of the boys. He, he probably had himself attached to a rabbi, and he, he knew the laws. He had heard them at mealtime. He had heard them when their family was gathered around the fire, when they were telling stories and sharing their, their family stories. He knew what the right thing to do, yet it says he, he went out and he, and he squandered the inheritance and he didn't just squander it up, you know, having a good time. It says in Scripture, we use the phrase wild living, right? Now, we can just, you know, we can use our best imagination, you know. It's probably like what, I don't know exactly where he went, you know. It was probably like a Vegas-type place, you know. Whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Um, he, he, he went out and he squandered it with wild living. You know, and another thing I think about the father when I think about what he must have been feeling, I, I think he might have also been angry. I don't know. I mean, I'm just, there's no record of this, but I think he, there, a little part of him must have been a little bit angry, you know? What would you have done? Would you have been angry? Would you have been bitter? Would you have been, you know, we know the other brother was clearly angry and upset about the whole thing, but you know, and I think also that the father, he probably knew exactly what would happen. You know, he had been with this son for his whole life. He had seen probably some of the crazy things, that situations that he had gotten himself into, and he probably had an idea in the back of his mind, you know, that one day this, he's just going to go. He's just going to go out and he's going to do some crazy things. 
And he probably knew that one day he'd come crawling back. After he left and he, and he was out and he's, the father continued working, it says in the passage, he continued working hard to try to provide for his family and for both of his son, especially his other son. And he probably knew in the back of his mind, he probably always glanced over the horizon thinking one day he's going to come crawling back. One day he's going to come back, he's going to have spent it all, and he's going to come back. And I don't think that it would have been uh, too crazy to assume that the father might have had a strong speech planned for that day. You know, to let the son have it, to kind of give him a piece of his mind. How many times as fathers have you ever done that to some of your, your grown-up children? Maybe, you, you know, you, they've done something crazy and you've come back. Or even the mothers. I know you mothers like to give those kind of speeches, too. I got a lot of those speeches as a kid. You know, those, like, stern speeches. And I told you not to, you know, what would happen, you know, all those kind of things. I think maybe the father had kind of, while he's out there working the plow and doing all this hard work, thinking about his son out squandering all that money that he's still working hard to provide for, and he probably had this strong speech planned for that day that his son would come back to let him have it, to let him know how much pain and disappointment and embarrassment that he had caused him. Because that's probably what most of us would have done. Well, when the son finally got the courage to go home, he came up with, you know, a lot of kids do the same kind of thing when, they, when they've done something wrong. They, you know, they're like, all right, let's get the story straight. Especially if it's like two kids, you know, that do something wrong. They're like, all right, we got to get our story straight so they match. So when we get home, you know, we can, we can get everything right. You know, he, the son probably before he came home probably came up with this carefully crafted speech. He was going to beg for forgiveness and mercy and grace. You know, he knew that he probably wasn't, you know, he probably wasn't going to be able to get back into the position that he used to be. And he wasn't going to get his old room back, right? And all of his stuff. He said, you know, I probably messed it up so bad that I can't get that, but maybe I can at least, you know, be like one of the servants. Maybe I can live in, maybe I can live in the garage or I can live in the shed out back at least. You know, at least that'll be better than feeding the pigs and starving and being hungry. And he was just going to be asked to be allowed to be a servant in his father's house. Father's house. But what does the story say in verse 20? But while he was still a long way off. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. How many times in Scripture do you see where Jesus sees these large crowds of people? And it says that he was immediately filled with compassion for them, right? So the father, he sees his son, and he was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And the son said to him, you know, he probably was trying to, he was, his heart was pounding. He's probably sweating, you know, he's probably you know, his, his knees are shaking and he's probably trying to get this speech that he's been rehearsing. You know, Father, uh, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Um, I'm no longer, maybe he's reading from a paper or, or a parchment, you know. I, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And, and before he could get through this speech, the father said, just probably not hearing a word he said, the father saying to his servants, quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. So they began to celebrate. Didn't even get through the speech. Father didn't scold him, scorn him, embarrass him. He didn't say, I told you so. He just welcomed him on. He, he clothed him in new clothes. He cleaned him up and they began to celebrate. The father didn't give him a scolding speech. He didn't even wait for him to do the walk of shame up the driveway. 
And I imagine he didn't even hear the few words the son was able to get out before the father was hugging and kissing him and wrapping a cloak around him, a cloak that was a symbol of dignity and honor. This boy who probably was still covered in mud and, and, and had the stench of pigs around him and, and showing up, you know, just completely looking lost and hopeless and discouraged. And the father wrapped him in his best robes, not just a good, clean set of clothes. He wrapped him in his best cloak a symbol of dignity and honor. The son who had shamed him, he bestowed honor. But while he was still a long way off. You know, that phrase has always resonated with me because at one time or another, we were all a long way off. And even still, sometimes we're prone to wander. We're prone to get off track. You know, with our thoughts, we think things that we shouldn't think. With our actions, we do things that we shouldn't do. With our mouths, sometimes we say things that we shouldn't say. And, you know, and sometimes it comes out in the way that we respond in times of difficulty. I think of all the things happening in our world today, and I look at some of the, the so-called Christians and, and teachers of the law and the experts, and I wonder, I was like, how did you come up with that? How is that your response? You know, how, how is this the way that you act? And, and I think sometimes even as Christians, we have a, a tendency to wander. And uh, sometimes I just have to like disable like my Facebook account. So when I start scrolling through and I seeing the way, see the way people respond to things and the, just the nonsense that people say, and I get so frustrated sometimes, even with my Christian brothers and sisters who sound less and less like Jesus and more and more like the Pharisees and the teachers of the law in Luke chapter 15 who, and, and the ones who asked Jesus, so who is my neighbor? And I, and I just keep coming back to these, this, these few words, these, these words, while he was still a long way off. Because I know that when I was a long way off, and when I wander off, and, and when I have to ask for grace and mercy and forgiveness, I know that, uh, that I can. I, I know that I can ask for him. And I know that he's going to be there, and he's going to see me, and he's going to welcome me back. And, and I love those words because, you know, it sounds an awful lot like a passage in Romans chapter 5. Um, I love the words, while we, he was still a long way off. And in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, verses 6 says, You see, at just the right time, while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Sounds a lot similar, doesn't it? While we were still a long way off, while we were still sinners and powerless. And then again in Romans 5, verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Friends, this morning, my message to you and the message I think that the Lord is, is, is sending to us is we have all been the prodigal son. Some of you this morning may be still the prodigal son. Where you are in that story, only God and you may know. But friends, the good news is that God, the father, is the father in this story. And we don't deserve his mercy, and we don't deserve his grace, and we don't deserve his forgiveness. And it doesn't make sense that the God who created us, the God who created the universe and the world, would continually welcome us home time and time again when we go away from him, but he does. 
Just look in the Old Testament. How many times do we read in the Old Testament? It's just like an an unending cycle. The Israelites wandering through the desert. They come to God. They go away from God. They get punished. They come to God. They go away from God. They get punished. You know, this the same story all throughout the Old Testament. It's the same story in the New Testament. It's the same story that we're hearing about in the story of the prodigal son. And yet, while we were a long way off, God loved you. He was running to you, arms outstretched, ready to welcome you home and to clothe you not just with a physical robe, but a spiritual robe of righteousness. He didn't just clean you up and give you a bath. He washed you in the blood of the Lamb, and he cleansed you from all unrighteousness. He took away your sin, and he took away your shame, and he clothed you with his righteousness. It doesn't matter what you've done, friends. While you were still a long way off, while you were still sinning and powerless, Christ died for you and for me. When he was hanging on the cross, he wasn't thinking about the pain that he was feeling. He was thinking about each and every one of you, even those of you here today. So this morning, finally, where are you in this story? Are you in need of experiencing the grace and mercy and forgiveness of Jesus as portrayed by the Father in this story? There are so many people living in wild living, lost and broken and hopeless in our world today. We can't allow ourselves, though, to forget that we are all in the same boat and that we all need a Savior. And no matter where we are and, and what we're engaged in, we're all neighbors. And, and, and even if we're, if we're in sinners, if we're in sin, we need to come to Jesus. But if we're not, if we're Christians who are, who are, you know, who are ministering to the world, we can't just isolate ourselves uh, with one another. We can't ignore whole groups of people and, uh, and, and not associate with people because they're not like us. That Jesus says everyone is our neighbor. And Jesus would spend time with them and, and we should spend time with everyone and try to get everybody uh, to understand the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness that is available to all of us through Jesus. We can't allow ourselves to look down on those who don't believe what we believe. And that's why Christ came to earth to seek and save the lost. And he commanded us to go out and seek out those people. And he demonstrated to us how we should interact with them, have fellowship and demonstrate God's love in practical and tangible ways, sometimes with a meal or with a smile or a handshake or a hug. This story was a clever and long response to the Pharisees who Jesus heard. It doesn't say that that they were speaking loudly or they asked him. They were muttering, right, is what they said. They might have been mumbling or even thinking to themselves, and Jesus still heard them. And so this was a clever and a long response, a not-so-subtle response to them about what they were saying. And this morning, we celebrate our fathers, but even more so, we celebrate our Heavenly Father, who on a daily basis, no matter how long we've been a Christian, is extending the same grace and mercy and forgiveness to us, even when we don't deserve it. This morning, you don't have to walk all the way home like the sun. You can just walk here to the altar, and you can allow your Heavenly Father to embrace you. Maybe you're a long way off this morning, just like the sun, and, and maybe you need to come home. Maybe you can see that our world is a long way off, and you need to come as a Christian and rededicate yourself to going out into the world and to reaching the lost. And maybe you need to come this morning, and you need to come and pray on behalf of our hurting and lost world. Maybe this morning you just simply need to come and, and spend a few minutes with your father 
uh, thanking him for all he's done and all that he's doing in your life, either your heavenly father or even your earthly father if he's here. Maybe you need this morning to come and intercede and pray on behalf of someone in your own family or a friend or a coworker that desperately need intervention from God, that desperately need God's grace and mercy and forgiveness. This morning, I'm going to ask my wife to come forward, and, and we're, going to, we're going to sing a song again that we sang earlier, um, Come Home Running. Oh, heart of mine, come back home. You've been too long out on your own, and he's been there all along watching for you down the road. So come home running. His arms are open wide. His name is Jesus, and he understands. He's the answer you're looking for. So come home running, just as you are. This morning we have heard the word of God. And this morning we come before him. However we are, no matter what place we are in life, God never says the door is shut. He says, come home. I'm ready to receive you. words this morning and however the Lord is leading you won't you come and seek him this morning for there's no one else who loves you